Man, the uh, the news doesn't seem to stop, does it? I uh, I was completely interested in moving beyond politics this week for a little bit more of just entertaining and pleasing electronics. I have some recordings I'd like to share as well, and some cool studio techniques. But it is nearly impossible to not have this episode still be about the great American problem of Trump and white nationalism. I, uh, I'll shortcut my thesis here. White nationalism is always a problem. It is ugly and disgusting. But this country has always had this problem. It never gets any worse. It never gets any better. It just becomes more visible or not. And I talked last week about how population has very little to do with power in America. It's position that America rewards. And white nationalism is at position these last few years. A positive example of how position improves is think about the great strides forward for the gay and LGBTQ community over the last decade or so. It is vastly improbable that we've had a huge influx of more gay people in the country. We just have had more position for them. We have given more position to the gay community and gay activism has made incredible strides forward on so many categories and that is an example of position and not population uh, the last few years have been about position ever since there are good people on both sides there are good people on both sides the clan and white nationalists have enjoyed their good position moment but that's going to slam shut in about 10 or 15 days. A lot of them die off from meth anyway. <laughs> the lifestyle, you should know, I'm a health food addict, a uh, health food advocate, and the lifestyle choices of our white nationalists are not the best. It's uh, highly saturated. They have bad blood and a lot of fat in their, uh, their bloodstreams. They're not going to be around for more than, you know, they might spark up for a good afternoon, but they get pretty tired and need a nap. These aren't marathon runners. You know, uh, I know we can't really use the word spazzing out anymore, but that's, uh, that's what they do. And this week I'd like to share my memory of the KKK in the 1990s that I experienced firsthand as a, a Jewish teenager as a goth or a punk growing up in Aurora, Colorado at a time when my entire high school was filled with Klansmen. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, the KKK identified Denver as a city to uh, repopulate. KKK has such a history in Denver that it used to spell Colorado with a K at one point. And I think Colorado in the 20s had one of the largest KKK populations in the country. But it certainly simmered down after Colorado got populated in the 60s with uh, John Denver types. My dad was a John Denver type who moved for the Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> moved to ski 
or when uh, places like Aspen got infiltrated by Hunter Thompson and the like. But for me in the 90s, uh, the KKK infiltrated the punk and creative community with skinheads and or anti-skinheads, uh, anti-racist skinheads, sharps. The wonderfully named Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice, S-H-A-R-P. But they were looking for a fight just as much as the skinheads. You could make a parallel between uh, Sharps of the 90s and Antifa now, I suppose. Uh, sometimes Antifa is a little too hot-headed, you know. And Sharps certainly were. But then we also had the KKK with uh, the athletic program in our high school, the football players, and that's not a joke. A lot of people are sometimes like, those football players look like a bunch of monsters. Our football players in my high school were in fact Klansmen. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And even the debate team had a couple heavily conservative people with Klan ties. And I'm not even being metaphoric on all of this, so I'll talk about this this week. I'll talk about my history with the Klan as a teenager, which has informed my history as a uh, non-teenager moving forward. The, uh, the head of the clan in Denver actually sent his son to our high school. And he was a football player actively recruiting in the locker room. And I have a weird memory of being frightened that it was going to... And this is a very shameful memory of mine because I'm a very proud Jewish person. And if I could go back, I would certainly be myself in this in this moment and tell them to fuck off but there was a moment when they were uh, throwing out a bunch of anti-Jewish phrases and inclusively because I was a, a blue haired uh, punk at the time one of these Klansmen football players said something to me about Jews and I hate myself for this moment I was just like yeah right because I was surrounded by these people and I would have loved to have said, well, fuck you, I'm Jewish, <laughs> you know. But you only kind of shame yourself once in, in your life before you don't do it again. But that's a moment where I was maybe 15 or 16 and I hate that. I didn't say anything back. It wasn't like, yeah, those damn Jews. I was just sort of, but I allowed the comment to come across. I didn't stand up and identify myself in that room as a Jewish person. Although really, if you hang out with me for like 10 minutes, you can tell I'm a Jew. I <laughs> ask me my, my opinion on mustard and I'll tell you, you know, just talking about that. Oh, well, you know, what kind of mustard do you want? You know, you, you'd know pretty quickly that I'm Jewish, but uh, a lot of KKK were rather tone deaf at that time. And that's a shameful moment of my life. But that same year, uh, there was a riot in Denver that got national attention or either the year following uh, that same year, this is 1991, and the riot was in 1992, but I'm referring first to something that happened in 1991. A bunch of those people went downtown into Denver and, and hectored a bunch of people. We have a thing in Denver, or had a thing, I don't know if we still have it, it's called the Marade, M-A-R-A-D-E, the Martin Luther King Day Parade in, uh, in Denver, and that's sort of where the Klan was making its protest. And there was one year where they, where the Klan stood on a bunch of cars and heckled the Martin Luther King Day procession. 1991. And then there was another year. 1992. Where they actually got a permit to be protected by the government 
on the state capitol steps in front of the parade, and that's when the riot happened. So I'll tell you about that. Got national attention. And the day of the KKK riot was the first time in my life I ever got decked in the face, by the way, in such a way that my body slammed back onto the pavement. <laughs> Very funny moment. I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face, but like the world doesn't, you don't feel yourself fall back, you feel the world fall forward in front of you or something. It's like a visual trick that happens. And I went there to support the black community, you know? And I'll talk about that in this week's discussion or it might be uh, broken up into sides A and B. I bring up Denver's hate history because in the last week or so, so many people have been very outspoken about this being the tip of the iceberg, the part of the iceberg that you see above the water with a huge festering uh, mass of white ice, <laughs> white national ice underneath it with regard to the white nationalist threat to this country and how much worse it is going to become. And I mean, so many things have happened this year and it's an easy presumption that white nationalism will get worse. There's the attempted kidnapping of a governor. Let's just go through a couple of them. A stormed state capitol building happened. I think uh, there was an insurrection at a state level before this. The endless battle of Proud Boys against Antifa in the Pacific Northwest. And even more endless nosebleeds of Donald Trump's son with his cocaine habit. Nobody ever talks about the endless nosebleed of him with his, uh, that's a lot of cocaine for that guy. And his girlfriend, her PCB, her PCP problems, those are crazy. That's just some heavy uh, white nationalism right there. By the way, Don Jr. saying like, uh, this is a First Amendment issue for his father to lose Trump, uh, Twitter or Facebook. No, it's not. That's a service. You know, Trump can make his own uh, Twitter if he wants, but that's not the government. That's like saying it's a First Amendment issue for me to uh, um, vomit in, uh, in a restaurant and be thrown out. No, you, you, you puke, you're out. <laughs> I would love to, uh, in my... In my uh, drinking years, it would have been really funny if I just uh, tried to say it was a First Amendment issue if I ever got so sick in a bar that uh, I was expressing myself and not being thrown out for overindulging. But yeah, so we got some nosebleed issues with Donald Trump's son, his uh, Kelly Guilfoyle's PCP issues. Those are huge white nationalist emergencies. And the rioting is probably a national emergency. But to go back to last week's opinion, the insurrection was a good thing because it made rumors of this population suddenly proven and very documented. No one can say we don't have a problem with white nationalism now. Nor can they say there isn't a huge problem with how law enforcement deals with regular activists compared to the white glove concierge service that they gave the Proud Boys last week. They let him just walk out of the damn building, you know? What would have made sense is to let them go into the building and then lock them in the building, you know? <laughs> and then just sort of play whack-a-mole, chasing him down in the Capitol building. But no, we just let him in and let him out. How you think of uh, friends who've gone to Black Lives Matter events and uh, certainly have not been allowed to leave, 
if something went even one cent into that direction of what it went. But anyway, all the same, the next few weeks, especially this one, will likely be the most stressful weeks in years. I have a personal fear of a bomb going off during the inauguration. And I think that fear is fairly valid, as there were actual bombs that were planted last week, and the ones found seemed so visible being out in the clear light of day. You know, I'm very worried about something hidden somewhere instead. You know, that those were the bombs that were meant to be found. That's my worry. I have no idea why we even have to have the inauguration in public, by the way. I've been completely video-based at work since March, and I wouldn't mind Biden being our Zoom or Skype president for the next four years, including public addressing, you know? So that's my anxiety about the inauguration, but we will get through it. But for Sides A and B this week, I'd like to share my memory of the 1992 Klan riot in Denver, being a punk in Denver at the same time, how that might apply to, to your life, being a punk uh, at any time in your life. Or maybe just somebody really uh, considers this racist uprising to be pretty disgusting. And so that'll be sides A and B, and then we'll conclude with a bonus track, which will be the Charlie Pickle installment as well. Still not sure what to call that. That I did not side C, but maybe uh, afterward or something like that. But Charlie Pickle, part 20, uh, 23. Hope everything is going good with you, and let's uh, get into, let's uh, jump into the time machine and now and go back to 1991 or 1992, Denver. Pretty fun memory in my life, pretty fun time. With a very, very dark and troubling day that did in fact shape my perspective in a lot of ways, but in an optimistic way. Because I'll tell you, a lot of these people, their life got ruined for being clan or KKK or skinhead or whatever. That doesn't wear well. And I know um, I can tell you if you are somebody leaning that way and you're like thinking I'm full of shit, I'm gonna tell you how a lot of their lives ended up. And it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a free, uh, it's not a free lunch you just buy into when you join the uh, the Proud Boys. They might give you a, a lobster, uh, lobster dinner, but, uh, that's about it. You got nothing. Life's fucked. 